Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And it's a snowy day here in West Virginia, but it's a beautiful sunny day north of Atlanta where my guest, Kevin Ward, joins me this morning. Kevin is a people builder, and we're going to get into that, speaking, training, and coaching. And his hashtag is the wisdom seeker. Now, if there's anybody that needs to seek a little wisdom this morning, it's yours truly. Uh, because living in West Virginia, we don't always play with a full deck, but we are playing with a full deck because we got Kevin Ward in the house this morning. Kevin, how are you doing today, my friend? I am uh, well and blessed, uh, Brian. Thanks so much. Uh, indeed, uh, God's uh, great and gracious, and I happen to be a recipient of uh, that grace and, and uh, entirely grateful for it. Now, if you tuned in the Intentional Encourager podcast and your church verse, this might not be the episode for you because Kevin and I might get a little happy here talking this morning <laughs> about, about the goodness of the Lord in, in our lives. I want to start there for a minute because so many things that I see and read, Kevin, and I know you see and read as well, too, about things happening in our world. I want to start here with you. How important is finding gratitude? and thankfulness to you every morning? Oh, that's essential. Uh, I really believe that, uh, you know, I've got to go ahead and uh, give a disclaimer, you know, that I, uh, a lot of the wisdom that I gain starts with the Bible, and the Bible uh, teaches me that uh, uh, I need to be grateful for things and in things, and I believe the more that I learn to choose to be grateful, that it um, in a major way impacts my attitude. And if I start there, then it sets the, the tone, it sets the foundation for the rest of my attitude, and it puts it in the right place because uh, we have so much to be grateful for, even if our circumstances are not what we want, they are uh, challenging or uh, whatever, you know, the fact that we're alive, the fact that we are uh, given a new day, those right there alone is uh, the starting point for gratitude. And if we start there, uh, it's hard to lose hope. It's hard to be negative and hard to be discouraged. Kevin, as you're coaching people and, and, and you, you know, you have people reach out to coach them and things like that. When you're starting to to work with someone, do you find how, how how often do you have to do an attitude adjustment? Because I find that, and I, and I talked about this. I, I did live radio this morning, and I talked about this. I'm not passionate. I don't like the word passion because to me, I don't wake up passionate. You know, I, I'm dealing with a, a a swollen right knee. My knee hurts a little bit, and, yeah. and so. I'm not, I'm not always passionate when I get up in the morning, but I know what I have to do for that day and be purposeful in it. When you are coaching somebody, how often do you have to start with attitude first? 
Um, well, at a minimum, I have to gauge attitude quickly because uh, if I don't and I try to uh, coach someone in whatever way or area that they have need of and I am not cognizant of their attitude, then I am uh, chasing something uh, the wrong way. And uh, what I, I don't know about an attitude adjustment, but one of the things that I offer people uh, that I think is a form of uh, wisdom is perspective mm -hmm. and try to uh, put things in perspective uh, from once I understand where they're coming from. Depends yeah. on the situation, but certainly attitude has to be a first factor. For example, if I start to help try to help someone yeah. and their attitude's not in the right spot, uh, I, I'll be honest with people and say, you know, maybe this is not the best thing, the best time, whatever. And so we need to either uh, change direction, <laughs> try another time, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, attitude's there. Whether I try to adjust it uh, or not, I certainly address it. How about that? Well, and I love what you said about perspective. I, I love what you said about that because perspective is is relative. Because you know, I, I'm six. I'm six foot three. Oh my! It, I can't think that all. Well, and, and, and <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's where I'm getting at. My wife is five foot four. Oh my! <laughs> from from her perspective. There are things that that are up on top of the shelf that she can't reach. From my perspective, I'm like, just let me reach up here and grab it. It's not a problem for me. Right. But I don't know what it's like to be a seven-footer. My son went to high school with a young man from Russia that played basketball, and he was he was 6'11. So oh, wow. I don't have that perspective of 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 that, but but I do have the perspective of where I am. When you talk about perspective and you talk about, you know, people that you coach and things like that with their perspective, what is the pre prevailing perspective that you're seeing from a lot of clients today in the midst of this pandemic? Because everybody's perspective on this thing is different, whether they've lost a loved one through this, whether they have had a job loss through this, whether they've had a life adjustment through this. What's the prevailing perspective that you're getting and seeing out there as you're coaching people? Unfortunately, fear and anxiety. I think that uh, it has become pervasive. And even people that uh, are not being directly affected by it, in other words, even if they haven't experienced uh, illness or death from it or job loss, you know, their life is moving on. Even then, I see people just uh, being fearful of, of our circumstances to a point in cases where it uh, becomes consuming. And uh, I think that concerns me, frankly, more than this virus does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll tell you this, Kevin, is that, and, and I was talking about this to somebody the other day january of 2020 feels like five years ago yeah of how our world has changed and 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 
fear of the unknown. And, and this is what I was telling somebody the other day. I said, look, the more every morning that you get out of bed, you don't know that you're going to go to sleep at night and lay your head on the pillow. Right. Because life, the Bible teaches us that life is but a vapor. It's here today mm -hmm. and gone tomorrow. And, and so, you know, and, and, and I said this, I said, so why worry about what you can't control anyway? Right. Why, do, why not just focus on the straight ahead and, and things like that? Let's shift for a minute to the business world. And you, you work with a lot of businesses on their messaging and things like that. What, what are you hearing from businesses? Is, is the fear and anxiety moving through the business community? Or are you finding that, that people that have good plans are following through on those plans and making adjustments on the fly? Because here's what I, I'm thinking. I'm a sports fan. I know that good teams always make adjustments throughout the game. They could be down 20 points. They could be down, you know, a you know we got Super Bowl coming up. Right. They could be down, uh, you know, Tom Brady's not going to sweat if he's down two touchdowns. Right. And so what are, what are you seeing from the – we talked about the personal side of it. What are you seeing in the business community out there right now as you work with those folks? Well, it's an interesting landscape um, because this fear and anxiety has crept into the business area. And of course, depending on the uh, level of planning and direction that they started with will determine their response. Uh, part of uh, what I approach and, and really drive from a principal standpoint is we've got a lot of businesses out there that have great intention and they have some plans, but they are really lacking vision. And this is a vision that it drives what they do and who they are as a, as a company. Yeah. And then as a result, uh, the one, since they don't have a vision, their mission is not always clear. And in fact, they confuse mission and vision. And so uh, whatever plans they have quite often are based on programs, okay? Yeah. And what I mean by that is that, and I have a tendency to wanna to do this, just God show me the right formula so I can plug it in and make it easy. And Well, Kevin, it comes down, and I mean to interrupt you, it comes down a lot of times too, a lot of people don't know, they're, they're so clouded to mm -hmm. your point about mission, they're so clouded that that actually their mission gets in the way of their execution because there's a lot of of, of cloudiness in the mind. Mm -hmm. you know, where, and I love what you said about vision because if I can see it and I know where it is, I know how to get to it and I can execute that because, you know, if I want to walk across the room and I see something I want to go get, I see where it is. Well, I know how to execute. All I got to do is stand up out of my chair and walk over to where that thing is and go get it and pick it up and put it in my hand and come back. That's pretty simple. But a lot of times execution is not, is not there when vision is not there. I want you to talk a, a minute about that because what I love about you and what really drew me to, to what you have is wisdom is you're a wisdom seeker and hey man i love that we're going to talk about that in just a minute a wisdom seeker 
But how important, along with mission and vision, is having the right execution? Oh, it's key. Uh, I know sometimes people, uh, because I emphasize vision so much, people think that that's all I'm focused on. And that is not the case. That is just that there are so many that haven't gotten their vision clarified and to a point where they can effectively communicate it. But yes, the vision is the first uh, step in the process. And then once you have your vision, which I uh, train people, teach people, it's like their North Star. And anyone that knows astronomy or navigation knows how critical a North Star is. It is that point that we can focus on when everything else fails us to keep our direction and to keep our focus. And so once we establish that vision and then start developing a mission, which gives us our, helps us set our priorities based on our vision, then we can plan our execution. And once we have the vision and mission in place, execution is not as difficult because there's clear direction in it. And the other thing, and this is a real challenge organizationally, is without that shared vision, it's hard to motivate people to execute because they're, they're not clear where you want to go and what is the important uh, element that they're all there to be a part of. And without that, people wonder, they question, uh, and it will, especially in the current circumstances, it feeds that fear and anxiety because we can be the best uh, leader possible. And uh, at moments, what we have to reassure our team, our organization, uh, is to be able to point back to the vision, say, we're still on vision. We may not know next week if the economy is going to recover or not, or those sorts of things. But based on our vision, we're moving at least towards our vision. And so here are the steps we know we can take and uh, focus on those, which, which causes people to have some assurance. Uh, we don't have all the answers, but we continue to deal with the answers we have. Uh, I, I picture and think of that like walking at night. Yeah. It's uh, having military training. Uh, I've done what we call nighttime navigation. And at night, when you're walking, if you stop, your, your scope is limited because yeah. is, um, to the amount of light that you've got. So uh, when things are dark, you continue moving forward with the light you've got. You adjust your path, your step, based on what new information you gain with that limited light. And well, Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers 
for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Kevin, I got to jump in here because what you're saying is so brilliant because here's the thing. A lot of leaders, if they will, they will have their, their, their mission. Mm-hmm. in front of them and in a lot of their minds it becomes concrete it's like well if i deviate from this my team is going to see that i'm weak but a leader with great vision is always scanning to your mm-hmm. point about walking at night your eyes are always looking for a light source mm-hmm. your eyes are always moving toward any source of light that you can because that then clarifies everything around you and it's like i mentioned just a minute ago it's like a quarterback that sits in the pocket. The play may be for it to go to the right side, but if it's covered, his eyes are always mm-hmm. moving all over the field to see that, well, no, the right side is covered. The guy I wanted to go to initially, there's a receiver, or there's a, a defensive back on him or a linebacker. I've got to go over here. This guy's wide open, and, and right. if I'm scanning the field, I'm seeing where the opportunity is. I love what I had to jump in there because I love what you said about constantly vision is always constantly scanning, isn't it? I want to I want you to talk about the power of scanning for a minute. Well, and uh, you're right. Great analogy, by the way. And I'll I'll jump on your analogy a little bit and build. Please do. Absolutely. Please do. You know, in, in a game of football, the vision is the goal line, the goal post. It's something that's where we're always moving. Uh, hey, by the way, you can't live in Georgia. It's a state law. You cannot live in Georgia and not be a football fan, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, any you know, you know, the goal line is our vision. That doesn't change. Yep. But whether we go right, left, up the middle, that's always a constant consideration and subject to change. So. Uh, once we can get our vision solid, uh, yeah, when we establish the mission, our playbook, um, uh, it, it, we want to try to stick with it, but sometimes we have to adjust. And so, a lot of times we have to adjust as we're moving. The new light comes into play. And so being able to uh, adjust as we go along is a key component uh, for a leader. And I, I, what I tell uh, leaders, and again, my passion for wisdom comes out, you know, we can train leaders and give them all the principles, help them learn those principles, and they can even memorize them to a point they can recite them in their sleep. But the that's the science if you will of leadership mm-hmm. but there's an art form and yeah. the art form is the scanning the art form is interpreting what we're scanning and seeing 
And that's where it's essential to be an effective leader to have some wisdom. Yeah. And sometimes that wisdom is our own. Sometimes as a leader, it, the wisdom is having people around us as part of our team and knowing what their wisdom is and including them as part of the process. So um, yeah, scanning as a leader is critical. That's where we are look, using our wisdom, where to adjust, how to react or better. I don't like the word react, how to respond. Yeah. Because uh, I think the what we're seeing is a lot of people that are lacking that vision and direction and what they end up doing is reacting. And as you mentioned, uh, for example, reacting in a way to defend themselves, to defend the past choices. Um, and when we do that, tendency is to make missteps. Uh, even if we make the right step execution-wise, we misstep relationally yeah. and destroy a person, a team, what, or an organization even. And so it's all part of a process, a set of principles. And uh, what, I, what I'm observing is that so many businesses and organizations now are operating off of programs, the five easy steps to this, the seven great habits of that, yeah. and so on. Yes. Okay. And, and I appreciate the value that there are lessons learned that people share. But like you said earlier, when those are shared, they may be for six, three people, not for five, nine people like me. And when you uh, take that and you use it as it's given, it may work to a point until you get to the high shelf sometimes. Yeah. And then you're That's going, right. what now? So what I like to focus in on rather than programs, and uh, those uh, seven steps and that kind of thing is, I like to help people learn principles. Yes. And as they learn these principles and begin to work within the principles, and the other key is seek wisdom as they go, then they find the principle, they apply it in their world, their five, nine or six, three world, and then they gain the wisdom of, okay, well, for somebody 6'3", it's reaching up and grabbing this off a shelf. For the 5'9", me, I got to go get a step stool and step on and get up and reach it. That's part of the wisdom that we have to gain yeah. and apply as we go uh, through this process. Man, I've got to ask you, Kevin, real quick before we pivot to your story. I don't want to ask you what wisdom means to you. I want okay. to ask you what it's meant to you in your business, in your career, in your walk with the Lord, whatever, whatever, because wisdom today is so easily gotten. We can get wisdom right here at, at, the, at the tip of our fingers and, and Google anything we want to. I want to ask you, though, what wisdom and the pursuit of wisdom has meant to you in your life. Uh, first of all, it's meant learning that uh, the things that I can learn, knowledge, if you will, is not the end. It, it's not the stopping spot. 
In fact, uh, and I, I have to confess and be honest with, the, with you that the, a lot of the principles of wisdom that I work from are tried and tested about for over 2000 years. And uh, so I rely on the uh, wisdom of the Bible a lot. Yes. And the uh, Bible has given us a concept of what wisdom is or how to attain wisdom. And it happens in Proverbs. And it says, first, we gain knowledge, okay, the Google aspect of things. Yep. And then it, the next step is once we get this information, we have to then understand it. Yes. Okay. And understanding comes from experience. And, uh, I, and there's a principle that wisdom comes with age, and it's understandable because you've had more experience, but it's not necessarily saying that a young person can't be wise because I've known some young people with a great deal of wisdom. But part of the reason that these younger people are wise is there's two factors. One, they've had a challenging life. So they've had lots of reason to have to learn and apply and understand. Second thing is uh, what we talked about earlier, attitude. An yeah. attitude of, I can learn something here. Not only can I learn something here, I need to learn something. Well, you mentioned something just there that, that I've got to jump in and hit on there. Okay. Because you mentioned Solomon in the book of Proverbs. Okay. Solomon told, and we assume that he was writing it to his sons. Right. He said, wisdom is the principal thing. Right. Get it. He was very, he, he didn't, he didn't, you know, Solomon didn't sugarcoat with his kids. Right. He said, here's, a, here's, what, here's what you need to do. You need to go right. get wisdom. And if anybody knew the power of wisdom, it was Solomon because that's what he asked God for was wisdom. And God right. said, because you didn't ask me for riches and because you didn't ask me for other things, I'm going to give it to you anyway. You asked me for wisdom. I, I, Kevin, I've got to go here, man, for just a second. An audience, forgive me. I want to get into Kevin's story, but, <laughs> but he is, he, he is just giving us so many good, good nuggets this morning. And I, I'm just, I'm just taking it in as he's talking. Why do most people have an aversion to pursue wisdom instead of knowledge? Because here's the thing I think we have become. A, a professional and personal society that if we can't find it, it must not be there to be found. Mm. And, and we can gain wisdom. I, I told somebody last night, I, I promise I'm getting to my question. <laughs> I can get a little long-winded, but I was telling a friend of mine I go to church with last night. I said, God never takes us through anything that he doesn't leave us with a lesson. Yeah. And, and what you're talking about there is wisdom that God leaves you through through a through a professional situation, a personal situation. There's always and, and a lot of companies document lessons learned. They'll put it in a project, lessons learned. And it's so that other people can go back and get wisdom from what was learned in that project. So it's like, don't make the same. And I think that's what Solomon was saying. Don't make a lot of the mistakes that I made in life. And go get it. So why do you think people have an aversion sometimes to gaining wisdom in a situation? I think it's a couple of factors, Brian. Uh, one of them is 
Uh, I, I'm old enough to know a time where uh, our cultural focus and concept and ideology was we're a knowledge-based society. Mm -hmm. And along with that, knowledge is power. That was a, and even a mantra culturally. And the problem is by doing so, a lot of people have stopped there and assumed if I can get all this knowledge, then I've got all the power I need. So why go any further? Uh, second uh, aspect uh, that causes us to be uh, wisdom averse, if you will, is that if we are truly seeking wisdom, wisdom gives us a broader perspective and it's, it's where we take our understanding and see it outside of ourselves. And what I really prefer to tell folks is the goal is to see it from God's perspective. Yes. And when we get to that point, uh, along with lots of uh, uh, amazement and all, quite often it forces us to go, wow, we've been doing something stupid. And it can cause us to have to change. Mm -hmm. And so people that are averse to change are not going to be looking a whole lot for wisdom or they'll even uh, consciously ignore it because it might require them to change. Mm -hmm. And a, a willingness to be ready to change all the time is really necessary uh, to grow in wisdom. Now, it doesn't mean that we're, you know, everybody goes, well, the only constant now is change. I get that. And in some ways, that's true. Our, our world is so fast moving with everything. But especially in core areas of, of life, uh, core areas of our design, there are unchangeables and unmovables that we need to be anchored in. Mm -hmm. And when we're anchored in those, then the things that we do need to change aren't as scary. The problem is that so many people aren't anchored. Uh, they're just, they're riding a, a rowboat in a storm and it's scary to be in that situation for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's a hundred percent right. Kevin, you and I could, man, we could go all day on, on stuff like that. I love, I love what you're talking about this morning. It speaks to my heart as well as it speaks to my mind. And I, I appreciate that. I would be remiss if I didn't have you quickly share your story. Take us from point A to point B, uh, all the way back as far as you want to take us and tell your story of your life and, and how you got to this point in your life. Well, that's uh, easy enough. Uh, I appreciate it, Brian. I'll try as old as I am, that could take days. So I'll, I'll try to summarize. You're it not well. that much older than I am. And I can, <laughs> I can talk. I, I listen, I just got done talking for three hours. So, oh, I mean, okay. I, you know, you get my point. <laughs> well, uh, a, a little about me that, uh, as a factor is that as we chatted, uh, before we started recording is that I'm a native Georgian. So, you know, I have a, a Southern perspective, uh, that, uh, uh, fortunately, I've been uh, able to broaden that by seeing other things and seeking wisdom. So native Georgian, um, and actually people now probably look at me like I'm crazy because I've only lived in two counties in the state of Georgia in my entire life. 
And so that's uh, kind of biologically uh, about me, but I, I like to th talk about uh, key times in my life. And one of those for me was back in 1972, uh, had a uh, point in my life where uh, God used it to change my trajectory in life. And uh, my brother was instrumental in that and that he had experienced something and he cared enough to share with me about it. And it was about a concept that uh, the then current vernacular would talk salvation. Uh, what I uh, have come to realize is salvation has too many religious connotations, mm -hmm. but rather it was a time where I realized that I needed, um, I had a, I was in a fix. I had a problem that I couldn't fix. Yep. And it was my uh, relational situation to our creator, our God. Yeah. And uh, I needed uh, the best descriptive word I can think of as atonement. Mm -hmm. And for people that know legal terminology, understand that's somebody taking someone else's punishment, if you will. Yeah. And so I made a choice in 72 to uh, receive that atonement. And it was through uh, a, a relationship to the offer, and that's God's son, Jesus. And that changed the tra trajectory of my life. Uh, and it was a fairly young man at the time. And people say, well, how can you have a trajectory? Uh, especially now, it doesn't take much. Uh, you have children. Uh, yep. You watch your children as young teenagers. You have an indication pretty quickly trajectory they're headed on, and uh, the trajectory I was headed on was not not the best. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I want you to go check out my new book, People Buy from People: Ten Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was the ultimate connector and the ultimate intentional encourager. And he shared with me 10 connecting lessons that I'm going to share with you in this book, interwoven with stories and personal anecdotes that will help you really see what connecting is truly all about. If you want to be a more powerful, stronger, deeper connector, whether you're in ministry or leadership or sales, you own a business, whatever you want to do that connects you with people and you want to connect with them stronger, deeper, and more powerfully, People Buy From People is for you. I want you to go to Amazon.com and search People Buy From People, Brian Sexton. And it's available in paperback and Kindle. And coming soon, excited about this, coming soon to Audible. Thank you in advance for picking up a copy of People Buy From People. And now let's get back to a great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. So made that choice, received that atonement moved forward and it changed my whole life. And as I've moved forward, it's been an interesting journey. I have uh, experienced life <laughs> very fully, started young experiencing life. Uh, I was a uh, married at 19 and a father at 20 and uh, uh, went on to have three sons. And then uh, unfortunately, as uh, a believer, 
uh, my life got shaken because I went through a divorce and that really challenged my whole existence because of the principles that I believe. Fortunately, I still believe those principles and I came through it and ultimately uh, grew from it and gained from it. Don't recommend it to anybody. Well, and, and here's the thing too, Kevin, a lot of people think, and, and I'll just go here for a minute. I'm just going to be, you're, I, man, I so admire and appreciate you laying it out. So I'm going to lay it out here too. Okay. Just because you're a Christian doesn't insulate you from life. Nope. And a lot of times life will bring you things you don't want. And divorce is one of those things. And I know people that, that, that have said to me, you know, Brian, I, I didn't want to do what I, what I ended up doing. But you know, the beautiful thing about forgiveness is that, you know, that, that God does not hold that against us. Yes, his word is clear about divorce. Right. And you, you said that. You said, man, you know, I, I realize that. But God doesn't hold that against us. He does not hold that against us. There's only one thing scripturally that God will hold against you, and that's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Right. But you know, but other, other sins, God will forgive you and he'll, he'll cleanse you and make you, make you new. And, and Kevin and I are not trying to preach to anybody this morning. It's just the way we believe, just the way we, we feel and, and, and what we, we practice. I got to ask you this though. Okay. What was your bounce back like from that situation? Because a lot of times a situation like divorce has, has derailed people in their walk with God yeah. and, and, and they left. And as the apostle Paul said, they left the faith. Oh, I understand. Yeah. Uh, How was your, what was your bounce back like from that moment in your life? Well, it was interesting. Uh, my theology, if you will, at moments going through this process of divorce uh, became very simple. And it made me realize people say, oh, you're a religious person. No, not religious at all. Yeah. It, it's all about that atonement and what came with the atonement you've mentioned is grace. Yep. And um, at a point, that point in my life, it helped me to really understand grace. And my theology during part of that time was uh, a lot of things I questioned, I challenged, uh, got angry with God. Uh, I did learn that might as well let him know when I get angry because he knows anyway. Yep. But uh, one thing that my dad always told me growing up, he said, you better come clean with me because if I find out, it's going to be worse on you when I, I find yeah, out. <laughs> uh, and, and God knows anyway. I so love what you said there. I just triggered my memory. I had a flashback to when I was a kid. My dad looking yeah. over my six foot two inch dad looking over top of me and saying, you better come clean with me because it's right. worse on you when I find out. Way, yeah. Been there, done that. My yeah. dad the same way. So. Uh, anyway, what really kept me holding on was that uh, was God's character. You know, God's love. We're taught that. And what I had to do was hold on to that. I, there were days, I, you know, church, whatever, was all really in challenge and questioning. But God's character was what I held on to. He would not leave or forsake me. And there were moments where everything else around me caused me to sense that. Uh, having been uh, an active father in the lives of my family and then lose that option 
for periods of time because I was, you know, my, my family was my daily life and work was secondary. And then when that shifted and changed, all of a sudden, lonely became a new understanding. And the only uh, part that I had filled in for that lonely was God's love and his character. And the fact that he said, I won't leave you or forsake you. That's right. And there were days that's all I could anchor in. And so I just kept working through that. And, you know, by his grace, there were, he brought people in my life that came alongside that to encourage me. Okay. Uh, uh, one principle that I teach people, you know, we're very unique in our design and in our creation, but we have some shared uh, uh, characteristics, qualities in design. And one of those is that we're supposed to comfort other people from the comfort we've received. Yes. And during that time, I didn't have a lot of comfort to offer. I was in a place of receiving. And God demonstrated that he what didn't leave me by bringing people into my life that would encourage me. Uh, they didn't always have answers, but they were there. They were willing to love me just where I was and help me go through this. They walked through it with me even. And so that would be the key, uh, I would say, as to why, uh, uh, as the saying goes, I, my faith didn't shipwreck. Now, it got tossed and it got turned and it got beat up, but it, I, I still managed to survive the storm by God's grace and his character for me. Kevin, I, I ask this of every guest that I have on. As you know, I, I ask this at, at the end of every conversation. I feel like this is absolutely the right time okay, for you to share your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Here's why I feel that. You've just poured out your heart for the last eight, eight, 10 minutes about what you went through in your life. And I could, I could sense that. And, you, and when you watch the video and you hear this, you hear it in Kevin's voice. You see it in his face. But I really feel like you've got an encouraging word for somebody this morning as we record this that may be walking through that. They, they may be facing fear. You talked about fear and anxiety. And, and when you walk through something like you just walked through, all those emotions come into play. They all work, work through that. I want you to share for just a moment or two your biggest piece of intentional encouragement for somebody this morning. Let people minister. Uh, someone like myself, sometimes it's the tendency is to resist other people ministering. And what I had to learn to do was realize that when I do that, when I resist, it's well intended because I want to be the one ministering. But when I do that to someone, I cause them to not be able to be blessed like I am. So be open to being ministered to, and then uh, truly hold on to God's character. And the fact that God is love, and it sounds almost cliche, but it's not. It is a reality. And uh, from a practical aspect of that, uh, when the best piece of advice someone gave me, a dear brother that was there walking through that with me, he said, 
regardless of the outcome, because this was when it was unknown whether the marriage would survive or whatever, he said, draw close to God, okay? And whether your marriage is restored or not, or whether you have to go on with a new direction, getting as close to God as possible is the answer to that any of the situation. Because as we draw, draw closer to him, learn and grow in him and anchor in him, it sets, that's where we need to be anyway. Yeah. So don't be afraid to just draw in. And if you have never been able to be close to God, look into the consideration of that atonement and that grace that is offered. That's, that's your first stop in that process. Once you started it, just draw into him and hold on. And I'll tell you this, and, and, and Kevin, I, I, I so appreciate that, is as you, as you listen to this podcast and, and you're, you are being drawn to what Kevin and I are talking about this morning, reach out to me. Intentional Encourager Podcast at gmail.com. I'd be glad to talk with you. Um, Kevin's uh, Kevin's website is wkwconsultingllc.com. Kevin, where else can they connect with you? Because as folks listen to this, our, our heart is to encourage, uplift. You know, yes, we're professionals and, and things like that. But if you if if you've got questions about what we're talking about this morning. Please reach out to either one of us. We're sure. I, we're more than happy to help you and share because here's the thing, and I've said this, Kevin. Encouraged people are empowered people. Oh yeah. And when you find those answers, like you were talking about seeking wisdom, you know, then then things start to change around you. Tell folks how they can connect with you and where they can find your content and things like that. Sure. Well, you've shared uh, my website. My email address is wkwconsultingllc at gmail.com. And then, of course, I am uh, very present on LinkedIn. Uh, that's the platform that uh, I seem to, you know, be, uh, that seems my spot and you can direct message me. I do check them. And so, yes, if you, if anyone's interested in knowing more about that, by all means, please reach out. I will never force my, my world on you. But if you want to learn from my experience and my, uh, especially in that relationship uh, uh, with God, ask. I am always ready to uh, share about that and see if I can be of uh, value to a person in that regard. Find him on LinkedIn at W. Kevin Ward, W-A-R-D. I would highly encourage you to do that. Kevin, this has been tremendous this the, today. I, I am beyond grateful for your time this morning and appreciate you joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Sure. Uh, it's my honor. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, and uh, I hope that there will be at least one person touched and uh, their trajectory changed and, and that I hope that they'll gain me, get, join me in seeking and gaining wisdom because if you do that, your world will be very different. I can't add any more to that, folks. Thank you for joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast. 
My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.